welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. You listeners are about to hear part two of this week's conversation breaking down a dramatic action-packed week from across the college tennis world. As always, Chris Helios and Matt Stokowiak join me on today's show to pick up where we left off yesterday on that show. We discuss some of the off-court news happening across the college tennis world, the NCAA selection committee's decision to incorporate manual adjustments when selecting this year's team and individual fields. We talked also about two fantastic conference tournaments in the SEC and the Big 12 on today's show. We pick up where we left off, and where we left off was with perhaps the most dramatic, and I apologize for using that word, but I can't think of anything better, the most dramatic conference championship of the weekend, which of course came from the ACC, UNC, and Wake Forest playing a thrilling 4-3 semifinal match that featured everything you love as a college tennis match. 7-6 in the third set results, a 4-3 decision overall, a default on one of the courts. We break it all down here in today's podcast. We also talk about what happened in the Pac-12. Has USC found their rhythm here in this 2021 season? Are they hitting their stride? And if so, how dangerous are they entering postseason play? That's a question we explore. We also, of course, offer our updated Cracked Rackets top 10 poll and so much more. It's a fantastic episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out here at Cracked Rackets is because of the support we get from all of you listeners, from our Patreon family, and of course, from our friends at Turn of Tennis. You guys know the deal. Turn a grip, the only grip that gets tackier when you sweat. Its performance in hot and humid conditions is unmatched. And did you know its color is trademark? Yep, that's right. That iconic blue that can be seen on the rackets of hundreds of touring pros belongs only to our friends at Turn of Tennis. If you would like to join the Turn of Tennis team, you can call or email them uh, at, by calling 800-554-3707 or emailing sales at uniquesports.com. You tell them Cracked Rackets sent you. You'll get college pricing and some free samples. Again, that's sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707. With that in mind, let's get to part two of this week's conversation, breaking down one of the final weeks of the 2021 college tennis season. All right, with that in mind, crazy to think we're over the hour mark of this podcast and we've yet to talk about you know, if Wiedemann incident is 1A, 1B, the second most dramatic thing that happened this weekend, we had a bathroom break gone awry, which is like the recipe we have been looking for here at Cracked Rackets since we founded the podcast. This story has my name written all over it. Uh, obviously, I'm being a bit facetious here. I'm referring to the fact North Carolina this past weekend knocks off Wake Forest without Will Blumberg in the lineup 4-3 in the ACC tournament semifinals. Now, ultimately, it was Virginia who gets a 4-3 win over a rinky and Blumbergless in singles North Carolina team to win the conference championship. Uh, well, you know, if you guys have any thoughts on Virginia, I feel like we haven't talked enough about the team that 
might enter this postseason as the favorite to win the NCAA tournament. But you look for North Carolina for them to uh, win that match against Wake Forest after, you know, I believe, if memory serves me correctly, no Will Blumberg, doesn't matter. They still win the doubles point. They get a 7-6 win from Kyger and Sondergaard to clinch over Nava and Squire at 1. They then get victories from Seguin at 2, which we can talk about in a second via a default. They get a win from Peck, 7-6-10-8 in the third over Kungu, and then a win from Rinki Hijikata as well, 7-6-8-6 in that third set breaker over Henry Squire. Maddie, I know you just gave us the big, big 12 breakdown, but here's my take, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong. The best team in the nation, if everyone's healthy, everyone plays their best tennis in my opinion, is still North Carolina. To me, if they're healthy one through six, they should win the national championship. Why I lean towards Baylor is because no one's healthy right now, and Baylor has the largest uh, fleet of options for they can afford to have things go wrong. But for a North Carolina team that has looked like booty meat these past two months, I mean, seriously, since the national indoors, what have they done that's relevant like to the larger national landscape? I don't think you can say that much. For them to play the 2-4-3 matches against Wake Forest and Virginia, for them to beat Wake Forest without Will, for them to take the doubles point with Will against Virginia, and then you don't have him or Rinky in singles, so that match kind of is what it is on that at that point. I know Virginia won the conference tournament, and we can talk about them in a second, but is it crazy to come out of this past weekend of ACC championship action and think to myself, oh man, this is the best I've felt about North Carolina since February, and this was actually a really good note for them heading into the postseason? Yeah, I think you're crazy. I do. I, I think <laughs> it's crazy. I, don't feel, I, don't, I, do, I do not feel that way. Okay. I, I'm sorry, but I don't feel that way about North Carolina. They barely squeaked by against Wake. I mean, they saved like a team, nine team match points. You look at these scores, even in doubles, they were uh-huh. so close to losing the doubles point. Rinky was so close to losing to Squire. Peck was so close to losing to Kungu. And they got a default on court two from Nava. So they were handed a win. I mean, I right now with North Carolina, yeah, there's a reason we put them as our preseason number one, right? This is uh-huh. way back months ago. We know how good they could be, but this isn't the same team. It's not. This is not the same North Carolina team. I am actually not really impressed with what I've seen out of them recently. I think they, they've they really got to get it corrected. Um, you know, I, I know they played Virginia close without Will and without Rinky and everything, but I just – I don't get the same feeling that you do – about this team right now. I mean, until I see them all healthy on the court at the same time in singles and doubles, I my confidence level just just isn't there. And and to be quite frank, I I really think Wake Forest should have should have won this match against North Carolina, um, you know, and knocked them out in the semifinals. I, I, it should have been Wake Forest in Virginia, in my mind, um, you know. But you take obviously with a default, you take that. You know, I don't blame them for. You know, I do the same thing. You got to take the default when someone breaks the rules. That's that's their problem. So you know that was you know that's on Nava and and on Wake. But you know to just squeak by. You know, in, a, in in several of those matches, having to save nine team match points in singles and doubles. Yeah, on one hand, you look at that and go, well, mentally, you know, these guys are as good as it gets if they're going to play that way. But, you know, on the flip side, I just think they're cutting it so close. And once we get into to the NCAA tournament, 
it's not going to cut it. Somebody will come up and clip them. Yeah, look, that's a fair counterpoint. My counter to that would be, all right, but the national championship winning teams find way to steal matches they have no business winning. And that's what North Carolina did this weekend. They stole a match. They had no business winning. And I haven't seen them do that since maybe Tennessee in the quarterfinals of the national indoors when they stole that doubles point and from there kind of coasted in singles. That's the sort of thing a national championship winning team does. And again, knowing the situation like I do, I am going to say, you know, Will, Rinky, that they are going to be healthy for this NCAA stretch. And of course, they're going to have to play four matches in five days at come Sweet 16 and further. But the prognosis from what I'm hearing is that this weekend was more about being cautious, preparing for the NCAAs because they know how high their upside is more than anything else. At the same time, you're absolutely right. Like, we're at the postseason. It's not, okay, they're going to get healthy. Don't worry. If you're not healthy now, you, this is your team. And certainly, Sondergaard, Kiger, Zap, Peck, they still, oh, Peck's been better of late, but they still don't have an answer at six singles. Now, the good news, Cernok's playing about as well as we expected coming into the year. You're going to feel really good about him at number four singles against any opponent that you play. And you probably still feel pretty good about the doubles point as well. But this is a team that you thought, all right, it's a you know a lock at four points. You win doubles, one, one of two and three, and four. And that's no longer the case, especially while they're not healthy. Now, the flip side, again, go Hoos. We're back. Number, you know, they, ACC champs, number one in the USTA poll for the first time since 2017. For them this weekend, you know, 4-0 win over NC State in that 4-3 win over North Carolina. They dropped the doubles point, but then win four straight set matches in singles. They did not have uh, Rodesh earlier in the weekend. They got him back for the final and, you know, for North Carolina, uh, it was at the two and three singles. They got straight set wins, but Soderland straight sets over Seguin, uh, Getz, Ross straight set wins at five and six, and those are question marks for the Cavaliers. And then in Yaki Montez, who's been so good for them this season with the clinch at number four singles over Sondergaard. Chris, to bring you into the mix, obviously, feel free to wait in on the North Carolina question as well. But I mean, this Virginia team, maybe the quietest two-loss team in college tennis history, maybe the quietest potential number one NCAA seed as well. They're damn good. Yeah, well, they're not going to be the number one seed. Forget <laughs> that. I don't know. I don't know where that's going to come from. They're not there in the coaches' poll. They're not there in the computer rankings. They got too many freshmen for you know. If it's not a computer ranking thing for people to to aren't they to like do- number five in the in the coaches' poll or something crazy like that? Yeah, yeah. That's so ridiculous. yeah, and same in the computer rankings, right? So yeah, it's just it's it's not going to get them there. But uh, but yeah, no, clearly, certainly have to be one of the favorites going into the NCAA tournament back to the North Carolina question. I mean, Maddie basically just echoed everything I said last week about North mm-hmm. Carolina. Right. And I'm not changing my tune. In fact, I'm going to jump even more so on that tune because you just don't, I don't care if they're healthy now for the NCAA tournament. Uh, and no matter how experienced those guys are, you don't just jump in after not playing for a month and play four matches in five days and be a rock star. I mean, if anybody can do it, Will Blumberg can do it. But, you know, at the ATP level, you don't see guys just, ah, yeah, I'm going to take some time off and come back and, uh, you know, just jump right in and make a run straight to the finals. No, it just, you know, it, it doesn't happen that way. You need uh, you need time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
yeah, I uh, I don't know what to say there, but Virginia, absolutely. You know, the only the only depressing part to me about that final was honestly, of all the great finals we had, it was pretty boring. I mean, yeah. Sondergaard tried to make it interesting at the end, but it was like all straight set matches in singles. You know, yes, it was four three, but that's about as boring a four three as you can get, where all six singles matches are straight sets. You know, no drama of a third set, no breaker there, no you know. No, the so, most points won by an opponent in any match that lost is six. Four and two. That was the closest scoreline. I agree. It was about as straightforward of a 4-3 match as you can find. And look, we haven't talked about it yet. Eduardo Nava. It, it's tough. We don't want to speculate because a lot of people are saying one thing. Others say the other thing. It depends who you talk to. The gist of the scenario. After the second set, he, he elected. He said, I'm going to take a bathroom break or whatever it may be. Now, in lieu of going to the bathroom, he went and sat in an air-conditioned room. He was struggling physically at the end of the second set. Uh, while sitting in that air-conditioned room, he was found by a chair umpire who said, hey— this is illegal. And that was brought attention to the head umpire who said, yes, this is illegal. You have broken the rules. We have to default you now. We're not going to get into the specifics, but I can tell you things got chippy between the two teams at that mark. There is no love lost between North Carolina and Wake Forest. And I got a lot of criticism for calling Tennessee and Florida the best rivalry in college tennis right now. Let me emphasize again, I meant right now. I don't mean overall. I don't mean historically. I mean right now in college tennis over these past three seasons, the matches Florida and Tennessee have played have just meant more than the matches that other teams have played, except for maybe UNC and Wake. And again, just quickly here, Maddie, because I know I don't want to keep you too long, but um, you, you look at this. It was the right decision, right? Like you broke the rules. You got caught. I get it. Like, you know, it's one thing. And I believe the question was asked, well, what if he was just taking the longest in history? And the head umpire said, well, if that was the case, we wouldn't code him. But that's not what he was doing. That's not what he was doing, Maddie. And he got deefed. Yeah, and I actually haven't looked up, like, myself. I have not looked at the rule and have seen it in print, in writing. So I don't really want to talk about that. But, yes, if you break a rule, and my understanding is if you ask for a bathroom break and you veer off and you don't necessarily use that break um, or or actually go into the bathroom – um, yes, that is that is illegal. You cannot do that, and you can be defaulted for that. So, you know, that's a rule that I, I would hope most guys would, would be aware of, and I, I think they would. I mean, you just – you can't do that when you tell the chair, hey, I'm going to go use the restroom, and then you don't do it. Um, you know, you get caught, you pay the price. But I, I have not actually seen the wording of the actual printed rule. So I don't know what that says specifically. Um, but if it's in there, I mean, if that is the case, then, you know, the rule's the rule. You broke it. That's what happened. Now, if that's not the rule, right, and that isn't printed anywhere, but it's got to be because yeah, they discussed this. No, right? it is the, the rule. The, it is the rule. Okay. Okay. So it is the rule. Well, then – Yes, I'm sorry you break the rule that what That's a stupid in- way to break the rule, but you did. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I, I can't help you there. I mean, I would love to, you know, kind of give some reasoning and just say, well, you know, he wasn't feeling well. He should be able to kind of take some time here and, and recover and all of that. I mean Take a medical timeout then. 
Yeah, that, right. that yeah, that's not right. a bathroom break. That's a whole completely right. different thing. And no, I mean, Chris, again, I want to get you in on here as well. And I know we haven't discussed the merits of the Wake Forest team. We talked about them last week. They're clearly hitting their stride entering the postseason. You look at this lineup now. They've steadied in Squire, uh, and then uh, you look up and down the lineup for them: Squire, Nava, Body, Kungu, Istafalu, and Banthia. That's a good six. That six is going to give people some troubles. But I mean, Chris, again, you. Your take on what happened, your take, just again, final thoughts on this SEC event. Yeah, I still don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I tweeted that out, and then obviously, you know, Eduardo came back and said, hey, that's not what happened at all. Uh, and he and I have chatted since, uh, mm-hmm. and I told him, hey, man, I got that from on the scene, so if I'm wrong, I, I apologize. It's on me, bad info, and I'll take responsibility for it. But, uh, yeah, he said, and, you know, hey, uh, I went to what I guess is kind of the medical area. He said it's a, a tent area about 20 feet away from the court that everybody uses. Uh, and that's where I was relaxing. And the official came over and said, no, you can't, you know, you can't do that. And to your point, yeah, even if it was outdoors, to your point, I did kind of pull up the rule book to look. And basically all the rule says is there are no rest periods between sets. Yeah. doesn't really say you know, it, that, that's what it says. So to which I mean, they've interpreted, if you call a bathroom break, you have to go to the bathroom. You can't rest because it says there are no rest periods between sets. I don't see anywhere where it says that the penalty for such is a default, but you know, who knows, but I, I'm guessing that's the rule they interpreted as saying it was illegal is the fact that there are no rest periods. So if you tell me you're going to the bathroom, then you got to be going to the bathroom and not resting. Um, but yeah, it seems I, even with all that being said, you know, my, my point when we thought it was, and if, you know, when we thought it was, Hey, you went into an air conditioned room. Okay. I could see your gain. You're trying to gain an advantage. If you went somewhere outdoors, still 20 feet from the court and you sat down and rested, I don't, by the letter of the law, it would it be illegal. Sure. If I was the official, what would I do? I'd go over and say, hey, man, you can't rest. You need to, you know, you got to go to the bathroom or play. Uh, Can I just, to push back on that, um, to push back on that immediately, Chris, why leave the court if you're just chilling? Like, A, call a medical timeout, or B, I know it's hot, just stay on the freaking court. Like, it's a tennis match. This is not the first time in Eduardo Nava's life that he split sets. And it's just, why do anything nefarious when there's no need to? Well, I don't even know. Well, I think that's I think that's the point is in his case, he didn't think it was nefarious. He was walking a little ways away was, from the court and sitting down. Ridic- like, again, I'm not here to impute Eduardo Nava's motives. Like Eduardo Nava, for, for everything I hear, is a standout guy. And again, for him, his career is dealt with so many different injuries, all these different things, whatever. Um, but like, come on. Come on. You really think you should be sitting at the medical tent? You, who's a fifth-year senior, think it's appropriate for you to leave the court and just be chilling somewhere that is better conditioned than sitting out on court? Like, you know better. It's a nefarious act. That's, I think, we can agree, right, Chris? Like, I, there's no in it. Like, come on. I wouldn't agree with that. I No. I mean, I would have. In what scenario if, if are I'm you still like, outside I'm going to go and, sit I'm, there. and I'm near the court, I'm not sure I would. And I'm the, I don't know that I can't do that. And I, I sure as for a what he asked for a bathroom break, that's what i'm though, saying he didn't, exactly. he didn't go it what why wouldn't he tell the chair umpire hey i'm going to the medical tent well at the, what i what i got was hey i was going to the bathroom didn't feel good sat down now i'm like i said still 
I just have problems with the officials getting into the result of a match like that. And I said, same thing with the whole Liberty Clemson. You took too long in the locker room. We're docking you sure. a game on every court. Knock on the damn door and go, hey, guys, get out here. I mean, it's, you know, impacting the result of a match that way. If it was me, if I was official, I would have just said, hey, man, you can't do that. And Which is, by okay. the way, what makes me think it was nefarious. Because is the chair empire just going to default him, a, you know, carte blanche, point blank, if it's just like, oh, nope, sorry, like, you broke this little minuscule rule that no one has ever heard of before. That's why well, it's just that, like— Well, that, that's where you get into now the— Intent, I w- yeah. I, I want to sit here and say that, hey, if I'm the coach of, in this case, North Carolina— uh, and the problem is when it's North Carolina Wake, right? There is zero love lost there. <laughs> you know, just the just the Goyo Blumberg history and and everything that's gone on there. There's zero love lost. So you're going to get semifinals of the 2019 NCAA tournament. Yeah, exactly. but I would say, you know, I'd like to say, hey, if that's me, I go. No, I'm not taking a damn default. Just get you know, get out there and play. But at the same time, if the official comes over to you and goes. Well, that was against the rules. Technically, we could default them if that's what you want us to do. Are they going to say no? Mm-hmm. In that case, probably not. They're probably going to go, yeah, sure, default them. We'll take the point, right? Which, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. But you know, it, it's, I, I just don't like when the when something like that ends up deciding a match over okay. for something that to me I don't think is the reason to decide a match. And Chris, I don't think the the officials asked. North Carolina, if they wanted the default, I mean, no. they made a ruling. They they didn't go, hey, you know, we're going to default yeah. him. Are you okay with that? Yeah, you know, no. no. Right. I don't think it went down like that. They made the ruling and said he broke the rule. He's going to be defaulted. And then I think Wake Four. I think Bresky went up and said, "Come on, man, are we really going to end it this way?" You know, I think that's what happened. I, I don't think the the officials asked, you know, Sam Paul or, or Trent right. Phillips, "Hey, you know, what do you guys think about this?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, again, the thought concept was presented to me. Had Blumberg been defaulted from a Gojo match, wouldn't Bresky still be celebrating? To which I said, oh, that's a pretty good point. Like, I, I don't know if I can argue against that. So you understand it's a match. It's competitive. Once the balls are rolled out, you're doing whatever you can uh, to win. And so, you know, certainly, again, ACC provided a ton of drama, some great tennis, Shout out to the Carolina Tennis Twitter, by the way, for tweeting out a bunch of great clips down the home stretch of that match against Wake Forest and against Virginia as well. But just uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, it would have been great if we could watch that match. You know what would have been better, Druskin? If Mew and I were on the call? No, if there was a stream that we could have watched all this on. <laughs> I agree. I agree. That we could. We would have instantly tuned into this stream regardless of if we missed the original incident. We would have seen it all playing out and the tirades and everything else going on. But instead, oh, every I would bit of still it was, be, yeah, was I would still hand. be on camera on that court hoping that Bresky and Coach Phillips are still <laughs> arguing or whatever it may be. But no, again, ACC as dramatic as it was off the court. Uh, just quickly, Florida State, Miami, that bubble, Chris. How's the ACC looking? I imagine Duke, Notre Dame have solidified their spots. But so I'll go through while you're looking it up. Virginia. UNC, Wake Forest, I'm going to throw, I mean, NC State's for sure lock, Duke, Florida State, my no Florida State, Miami, maybe my, uh, Georgia Tech, Miami, Georgia Tech, Miami I miss Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, yeah. 
Uh, Just give me yeah, the Georgia, list. You've got it. Georgia Tech, give me the list. Georgia Tech way in. Virginia Tech way in. Duke way in. Notre Dame pretty solidly in. Then you get to the close. Like Miami right now is sitting. We talked about Arkansas earlier. They're the team in front of Arkansas. Oh. <laughs> so so they're they're like fifth in at this point. But that's before again we throw Michigan, Northwestern, maybe Minnesota. Maybe Utah, and then is there anyone else? I don't know. Um, so I feel like Miami's in, uh, but but yeah, and that, that and that'll be the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, there's your ACC rundown. Last, but certainly not least, and I promise we are not going to hit the two-hour mark on this podcast, gentlemen. We are going to wrap through this Pac-12 quickly. There was one big upset for uh, the Pac-12 tournament this weekend. The big one being Arizona State knocking off Stanford. You also had, I think, they knocked off UCLA as well. But uh, the big takeaway for me. USC Trojans are finding their strides now, gentlemen, and we said coming into the season they were one of our top five, and unfortunately it looks like it's going to be without more bullets this year, but they dropped the doubles point against Arizona State in the final, then put forward perhaps the most impressive singles performance they've put together this season, sweeping the three through six singles positions all in straight sets. Uh, It was Stefan Dostinich in the end clinching for the Trojans. I mean... Chris, you and I share this hot take all the time privately, but like I am one injury update on North Carolina away from just picking the USC Trojans as my national champions this year. I might get baited into it. Like I know it's crazy, but Dostinich is playing his best tennis. Fry is playing his best tennis. Vest- I-, I found out it might be Wistrate and not West Straight, but we're going to stick with Ludwig for now, playing his best tennis. Jake Sands starting to find his rhythm. Kukerman and Smith are what they are at the top two. I mean... Again, that singles match, they've played two of their best singles performances, in my opinion, in their past three or four matches. It was at UCLA, the regular season finale. They dominated the Bruins. And then they dominated Arizona State here today. Now, again, would I have loved to see them tested against Stanford? Yes, I would have. But Chris, USC, your squad, I know you're going to pick them to win. Are you doing it now or are you going to wait a few weeks? I mean, man, I would love to, but the bullish news is a killer. I mean, that's that's a killer. What I will say is on the flip side of that, right, is it's never great for these guys that are, or I won't say never, but almost never great for guys when, you, when you've got like seven guys vying for six spots and guys are playing like, man, I can't afford to lose or I might be out the next match, right? Sometimes that's not good for them. That's the one bonus they've got is now, you know, Fry and Sands, they're they're playing, right? They know that they're in. Uh, you know, Bullis is out. Those guys are in. And it's not they're not really sitting there fearing up for, man, I can't afford to play a bad match or, you know, get tight at the end. Like, this could be it. I won't be in the next match. But again, without Bullis, man, when I when I look at that that lineup, I go, wow. Kukerman hasn't been this year as good as he has been in the past, you know, as much of a lock, I will say, at one. So I can't call it a lock. Certainly they've struggled their fair share uh, at two. And then three between Bullis and, and Dostanich. Now, now Stefan's picking it up. But I kind of look at it like with a deep team that their strength needs to be that like where they swept it, right? The bottom of the lineup. 
but are you going to ask me to take the three through six from USC or the three through six from Baylor? I mean, I can't make that. Or Florida. Yeah, exactly. I just, I can't make that argument right now, but you know, I love these guys. I mean, absolutely. They're I want to, I'm going to take them to make a run. Uh, They're playing well. I like teams that are coming in playing well and on a roll. So I like their chances to make a run, but no, I'm not going to say, I think they're good. That, they're going to win it all right now. I think, you know, a team like Baylor's got much more uh, momentum and other things going for them. But uh, would it shock me to see them in the in the final match? Not completely. I mean, I, depending on who they're lining up against, I think they can beat uh, any and any of those teams out there. Uh, it's No, it's I just think a ma- it's fair. Sorry to cut you off. I, sorry, go ahead. No, as I say, it's just a matter of can you do it right X number of days in a row. And I think to do that, you know, the guys that are going to have to step up actually aren't the bottom. They need Kukerman and Riley to step it up now, right? Those, mm-hmm. those guys, they're get they're starting to get solid play now from those guys at the bottom, but they're not going to win if they're counting on winning three through six. That, that's that's just, you know, they're going to run into teams that are just better at three through six. So now it's time to get your veteran guys that you know can do it when they play well. It's time for them. And it's not like they're playing horrible. So I'm not going to, that's why I don't think it's out of the, out of the realm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, they're going to have to step up and, and, you know, be a big contribution for that team. No, a hundred percent. And look, here's why I like them to counter off of that. If you're telling me it's a three all match and I'm riding with Kukerman or Riley, like, I feel pretty good. Those are two of the most experienced. In, with Kuki in particular, right? You're like, this guy was the number one player in the country last year. This guy has seen it all. And if I need him to deliver me wins four days in a row, uh, like I know that's a lot to ask, but he's the guy I want to ask that question of in college tennis. And so again, it's that they're starting to play their best tennis. You're right. Baylor Light's a good comparison because you feel as good about Kuki and Riley at number one doubles as you do about Connie and Sven. And even Destanich and Fry, you like them as a number two doubles team. They've been super successful this year as well. The question is number three doubles is where they've fallen short all year long. And all of these teams come NCAAs are going to be good at number one and number two. I mean, Maddie, you look at the flip side for this Arizona State team. We've talked about how talented they are all season long. Both of the Arizona teams this weekend, it was Arizona State's time. I mean, Nate Pond with can hang with anyone right at the number one position. And then for them, you know, uh, Mackey at two and, uh, you know, McKinnon at five. That's been a recipe they've had a lot of success with this year. But, you know, they knock off a Stanford team that it's just what you get from Stanford in this NCAA tournament. Your guess is as good as mine, right? No one. They are one of, if not the perhaps biggest wild card entering the event. But you look at the Trojans, the Sun Devils, everything else we've seen from the Pac-12. What do you make of the play out West? Yeah, I think right now it is pretty clearly the Trojans conference. I mean, it is. Stanford is just too – I still feel like on paper, like somewhere deep down in there, Stanford has the ability to to just beat everyone. I mean, I think they could do it. I just – I don't think it's going to happen this season. Um, Just the way that it's gone for them – it's not going to be their year. Um, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, very good teams, dangerous teams, but I really don't think they're a major threat. I mean, just look at what USC did to them after dropping the doubles point, you know, and USC is not even a top 10 team. 
right? So, I mean, put any of the top 10 teams there against ASU and what's going to happen. My confidence level isn't huge with them. For the Trojans, I just think there's two other teams. I mean, you look at Baylor, you look at Florida, you look at Virginia, you look at Tennessee, you look at North Carolina, you look at Texas and TCU and even teams like A&M and Wake Forest and Ohio State and Illinois. We could go on and on. There are too many teams that can clip the Trojans this year. There, there just is. I, I don't, I don't see USC going all the way. I, I, I don't. I don't think they can win six straight matches against all of these teams. I just don't. I don't trust the depth. You know the way that I do a lot of these other squads. I think a lot of these other teams are also more battle tested. They've played more competition. You know, not necessarily playing out in the Pac-12. So. Um, they are a dangerous team, right? Anybody that has Cookerman, I mean, you've got to be on high alert. But if any of those other teams that I mentioned play their best tennis, I think they can clip the Trojans. Mm-hmm. No, it's, again, I, I can't disagree with any of the arguments either of you guys made. I will simply say it is refreshing to see this USC team playing their best tennis entering the postseason. And again, I wouldn't want to face them. Uh, certainly, I... I don't know. It, it really just depends who's seated where, how the draws break down. Again, matchup-wise, they match up pretty well with everyone, right? Because they have a bunch of different paths to four. So we'll just have to see how it breaks down. But Chris, I want to give you the final word on the conference. Stanford, uh, you know, uh, Arizona State, Arizona. By the way, we can now announce news uh, because it has become public. Our thoughts and prayers are obviously with Keegan Smith, who split his head open in an accident off the court uh, a few weeks ago, and that's why he hasn't been playing for the Bruins of late. We were asked not to share that news until it became public, but goes without saying, if you've met Keegan Smith, I promise you like him. Like, I, there is no one in the world who meets Keegan Smith and says, man, that guy's an like, I don't like him. Like, no. One of the goofiest, most fun-loving, kindest humans you will find in the college landscapes. I know I speak for all of us college tennis fans when we wish him, again, a safe and speedy recovery. But, Chris, final word to you on the conference, the Trojans, the Cardinal, all of the things above of West Coast tennis. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll leave with this. Do you think it's possible for a team to win the national championship that's lost to three or more teams outside the top 20. Yes. This season more than ever, yes. Because, like, what is a top 20 school? All all these rosters are loaded. Maddie's going to be with me, I think, here. I I think it's pretty damn hard. If you've lost to three teams, if you've lost three matches outside the top 20. Weren't they all 4-3? It's going to be tough. Well, oh, no, you haven't got here. So now, how many of the top 25 have done that? Oh, all of the Pac-12 schools. Because Stanford's lost to everyone. USC's lost. USC's lost to everyone. There's two. I mean, South Carolina. May, oh, no, no, Ole Miss. Ole Miss loses to, like, nope. the most. Oh, Arizo- not Ole Miss. Ole Miss has not lost to three outside the top 20. Is it? Is it Arizona? That's three. Well, how many are there? Four total? Six. There's six total. There's got to be an SEC school in there. Kentucky, maybe? Or like South or Mississippi State? No. Nope. Oklahoma? No. Nope. Uh, that's four. Okay, Oklahoma. I can guess these other two. I mean, who has like lost enough for that to happen that is in the Oklahoma top? State? Oh, nope. Oklahoma State. Oh, not Oklahoma State. Pepperdine? Not Oklahoma State. What was that? No. Pepperdine? Nope. 
I don't know. Give us the last two. I give up. Well, you're missing one Pac-12 school, Arizona State. Uh, of course. You've got Arizona, Arizona State, USC, and Stanford. So those four, you got Oklahoma, and you were right with the SEC. The other one's Alabama. Alabama. That's who so the other So four of the Pac-12 schools. So we talk about, you know, we talk about how the Big 12 and maybe some West Coast schools are, you know, have been affected maybe by the whole, you know, or Big uh, Ten, not Big, Big 12. Big Ten. Big Ten, yeah. The, Big yeah. Ten being affected by the COVID deal. Big Ten for sure. Pac-12, not so much. They just all beat each other. <laughs> you know, they <laughs> they all lost, you know, to three schools outside the top 20. You know, granted, Arizona and Arizona State are, uh, you know, well, last week were outside the top 20. So those matches count as, as being that. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's – it's interesting to think that that you could do that, like, and everybody else that you consider a contender, not even close. I mean, nothing, nothing like that, right? We're talking like, okay, we lost to North Carolina, Baylor, and Tennessee, or you know, it's it's, it's like top five, top ten schools, and that's it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, so, so it'll be interesting, yeah. Yeah, the Arizonas are good. The Stanford is obviously very good. USC, UCLA, you know what you're going to get from them year in, year out. Yeah, again, Coach Hill, Coach Clancy, they've got these programs humming now uh, over in Arizona, and that certainly led to the chaos we saw this uh, this year out west. But again, overall, really fun season of play. And again... There was a lot of action over the past week. It is the regular season finale podcast. So we had a bunch of tennis to discuss. We're actually going to delay the Chris's Corner delay talking about, you know, UCF and their run to last week, all of the non-Power 5 conferences until next week's podcast because this week's action only Power 5 conference remaining with conference tournaments is the Big Ten. You've also got A-10, Big Sky, Big West, Colonial, Horizon, Patriot, Summit, and WAC all taking place this week. Again, we're going to wrap all of that up on next week's podcast. We will talk about who our top 16 seeds are heading into the week. But with all of that in mind, just one thing left to do here, as we do every week. That's name our top 10 uh, here in the College Tennis Division One men's game. With that in mind, gentlemen, I'm going to ask you to bring up your lists. And let's get started, and we'll start uh, where, at the top of the list, where... I think you guys are going to finally be joining me. It's okay that you were a few weeks behind. Don't worry. I don't mind carrying the load for you guys, putting the team on my back, because as always, number one for me are the Virginia Cavaliers. They've been number one. They've done nothing to, to be deserving of losing that status. They win the conference regular season event. They haven't lost since losing indoors to Illinois at the National Indoors. They're my number one team, Maddie. What say you? Oh, I can happily say, Groskin, before you even get mm-hmm. to Maddie. That as usual, Maddie and I are going to agree, and we are nowhere near your bandwagon. <laughs> that means Baylor's one for both of you. That's what I just heard from that. Am I right, Maddie? Uh, of course you're right. I mean, look, I love Virginia, but to, to me, come on, man. What Baylor's done, the way that they're playing right now, look, the computer has him at number one. The coaches have him at number one. I've got him at number one. I I really don't even think you can argue it at this point. To me, the Baylor Bears are the clear-cut number one team in the country. I I don't think that's I don't think that's fair to Virginia. Like, what is this Virginia? I love Virginia. Team? I have Virginia at two. I have Virginia yeah. at number two. 
I guess for me, I it's love just Virginia. I'm I'm giving Virginia number one again. These rankings all agree and sell. Baylor's my number two team, and I feel like I've been the one who's been pushing the Baylor in the top four, even when perhaps you two were not as comfortable with them given some early losses. I I made my case last week for why they were my national championship front runners, but I just. This Virginia team needs to be rewarded because to do it with Rodesh, Montez, Doc Vaughn, and to not lose a match since February, under normal circumstances, you look at that recipe for a young team and you think to yourself, oh man, like they're hitting their stride. This is the national championship front runner. I agree with you. I still don't, like I feel more confidently about Baylor, North Carolina than I do about Virginia entering the postseason because they are so young. But again, snapshot here, final week of the regular season. They're my number one team, but I understand the justification for both of you for having Baylor one. I also am going to assume both of you have Virginia number two because those are your clear-cut top two at this point. Three, four, five, though, gets interesting. And I know you guys are both going to have, you know, Florida, Tennessee probably ahead of North Carolina to that. Much as I said on Tennis Channel Live this past weekend, I say, I'm going to stick with North Carolina as my number three team. I'm telling you. That is going to appreciate with value when they go and rip through the national championship run. Maddie, who's number three for you? I'll tell you in a second. But before we get to that, one quick question, Gruskin. Sure. Baylor, Virginia play tomorrow on a neutral court. Who do you pick? Everyone's healthy? Everyone's healthy for both teams. Is it bad that I like Carl over Adrian at one? I just like, I've seen Carl win that match so many times in his career. And then Maddie and I will, Maddie and I will concede that match to you. Okay. I mean, Doc Vaughn versus Soto is a toss up. You lean Soto, but it's a toss up. Is Rodesh a bad matchup for Nick? You're a better person to answer that question than me, Maddie. If indoors, you probably say yes. If outdoors, it's a different question, but yeah, that's that- a toss-up. Montez versus either Sven or, you know, versus Sven, I think that match is a toss-up. Of course, you like Charlie at five over Getz. You like Furman at six over Ross. But, like, you know, doubles, you probably lean Baylor it's a 4-3 match is my answer to that question. And it really probably depends who wins between Carl and Adrian on that day. I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah you take... Ah, oh, there we go. Here I, we go. That's fine. Disrespect my I give you one who's. and I'll still take Baylor. Yeah. Yeah. Disrespect my who's. That's fine. You know what? No it's, disrespect. We're man, there's no about, disrespect. We, we both so have much disrespect. Two. Do you right. hear that, Virginia fans? They are slandering. They're saying this Virginia team's going nowhere. That you're nothing, Virginia. That you've been <laughs> no, riding. We, we have them number two. They're going nowhere. Virginia riding. is absolutely a national championship contender. They absolutely are. Riding the reputation of Ryan Lizza since 2008. Like, that's what they're saying right now. They're disrespecting Somdev. They're disrespecting Trett. They're disrespecting Shabazz and Ty Kwiatkowski and all the guys who came in between. So, Virginia Nation, stand up. Uh, No, I'm just messing with you guys. Sorry. Sometimes I can't help myself. Anyways, this all started with me saying I have North Carolina ranked number three. Maddie, what say you? Yes, I do not have North Carolina ranked number three. I have the Tennessee Volunteers ranked number three, SEC champion Tennessee Volunteers. I place a big stock in the tournaments. You know this. Every year I say this at the end of the season, but the conference tournaments, I weigh those heavily every single year. The fact that the Vols were able to get through it, um, for me, I, I feel like they can't be anywhere else except for number three right now. 
Mm-hmm. No, that's again, that's it's fair. Um, I have Tennessee currently number five because I didn't want to have them jump Florida over because Florida beat them at home. Tennessee beats them on the neutral court. It's a four-three match though. It's a pick 'em. I agree. You know, Tennessee's probably playing better right now, but I could flip it on you. And for the record, Chris, that's my three-four-five: North Carolina, Florida, Tennessee. But like Tennessee plays North Carolina right now, Maddie. Who are you picking? Everyone's healthy. You can't say everyone's well, no, healthy. No, no. They're not. You're right. No, right. no, no. Everyone's playing. Not everyone's healthy. Everyone's playing for North Carolina. I mean, the the way they're playing right now, I think I'm picking Tennessee. Okay. That's fair. I'm picking Tennessee. I'm sorry, but I am. I, I do not like what I'm seeing out of North Carolina. That's fair, and that match was essentially a pick 'em at the indoors, so I can't disagree with your logic. Again, my three, four, five goes North Carolina, Florida, Tennessee. I imagine you have similar teams, Maddie. We'll get back to you, Chris. Lay it on your order for the rest of your top five. My three, four, five are Tennessee, Florida, North Carolina. Maddie? Same here. Same here. Tennessee, Florida at four, North Carolina at five. Now, I considered actually bumping North Carolina down one more spot, but I thought better of it. They did win that match against Wake minus Will. Um, You know, so I'm going to cut them a little bit of slack and leave them in the top five, but just barely. I can't wait for the NCAA tournament because we might actually all three of us pick different teams to win. And that's rare for us. Obviously, 2019, we all remember Maddie and I were ready to die on the Florida Hill together. Chris was, who'd you pick in 2019? Maybe USC? I think he did pick USC, if memory serves me correct. Yeah, yeah, I know that remember. was last year, wasn't it? Uh, no, last year. I don't. Who knows at this point? Yeah, last, yeah, last year, year I had USC, but yeah, okay, yeah, twenty nineteen. I, I don't even. I have no idea who the hell I'm picking this year. I, yeah, I, I can't even make a pick. No, like, you got to see the draw first. A hundred percent. And I was looking at some perspective matchups just at like how the computer rankings are, and mmm. Are they juicy? Um, but anyways, moving on. And again, North Carolina. Who would you pick, Chris? North Carolina, Tennessee right now. We didn't let you wait in on the question. Oh, Tennessee, no doubt. Okay, fair. All right. Well, again, t- same top five for all of us. I'm going to, again, we're rolling through now. Number six, I have Texas. I They hadn't done anything to get knocked off. Matt, do you agree? I do. Yep. Chris? Chris? Yep. Same. I love number seven. I still have Illinois again. Not going to knock the Big Ten for not playing their conference tournament the same week as everyone else. Maddie, you were never at that number seven Illinois train. Chris, you were. They still there for you? They still there for me. Indeed, Maddie. Who's your number seven team? Uh, Ohio State Buckeyes. All right, that's fair. They're number eight for me. They're right behind Illinois, and I think they are for you as well, Chris. Yep. What about you, Maddie? So mine's reversed. I have Illinois at number eight. Can't knock that logic either. Ohio State did beat Illinois in Champaign. And again, Big Ten Conference play getting ready this year. I think given that 4-3 match against Baylor, I will be shocked if both of you don't have TCU at number nine. And honestly, that feels... It's crazy because Texas, Illinois, and Ohio State probably do deserve to be above TCU. But like, if this could be a tied for sixth sort of category, all of these teams are the same in my mind. What say you, Maddie? Yeah, I've got TCU at number nine, but they're way more dangerous than that. They've got the ability to beat anybody. If they're clicking, they're healthy, they're playing their full lineup, they can beat anybody. So nine does feel low, but at the same time, I feel like I'm kind of forced to put them there. Yeah, no, I can't disagree with that. Uh, Chris? Yeah, same. And I'm with you guys. Yeah, they're, they're more dangerous than a nine. 
just like probably USC is more dangerous than a whatever we would call them, right? A, mm-hmm. a 11, 12, 13 or something, because none of us are going to have them probably in t- the 10 unless you've moved them in there, Alex. But but yeah, it's they're, they're dangerous. But at this point, they kind of deserve to be behind those teams. Mm-hmm. Well, funny you mentioned that, Chris, because number 10 for me this week, a reflection of my hot take, and I voted this in the USTA poll as well because I want to, you know, if I'm going to say something, I'm going to back it as well. It's a future selection. There's no denying that. It's putting more value on what I think they can be than what they have been. But the USC Trojans, I'm not going to get caught with my pants down, gentlemen. When USC makes the NCAA quarterfinals or better, I want to say that I had them as a top 10 team heading into the tournament. And UCF has been outstanding. Wake Forest has been on the rise. Michigan, A&M, the other teams I considered for this spot, all deserving of the location. But the Trojans have played their best in the past two weeks. I wanted my rankings to reflect that. They're my number 10 team. Maddie, make fun of me, please. Well, no, I'm not going to make fun of you because I just got done saying I place a lot of weight into the conference tournaments and mm-hmm. I, you know, I weigh that heavily, but not enough in this case. I still have Wake Forest at number 10 for me. I thought they were pretty impressive. You know, they got defaulted out of a match against North mm-hmm. Carolina or else that might have gone the other way. And who knows what would have happened if they had played Virginia in the final. So for me, um, I'm going to stick with Wake Forest at number 10 for now. It's a good pick. They're my number 12 behind UCF in my USTA ballot. And again, US, UCF just above them because they beat them. Um, but I agree. Chris, your final spot? Yeah, I can't change mine either. I'm gonna I'm sticking with UCF at 10. So that I means mean, I, we have I, a three-way tie for that 10th spot, which is going to make Westoff angry at me because he's going to have to change the graphic uh, for the record. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Wow, yeah, you're, yeah, because we're going to have three three teams. <laughs> <laughs> so do we have to vote as a consensus? Who do we think is the closest? If you were to order them, and we'll start with you, Chris. Because yeah, yeah, let's or- order the three, and we'll see if our rules win out. There we go. Oh. So you go first. If I order them, um, I, I want to got- hear Chris go, Wake Forest, Jesus just changes order right here. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, obviously I've got <laughs> – Got UCF first. Um, I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Wake then USC. Wow! So you go UCF Wake USC. That's your 10, 11, 12. Yeah. UCF. I have I have USC UCF Wake, which means I think Wake or UCF probably gonna win out. Maddie, what do you have? No, because I have Wake, USC, and then UCF. Oh, man. Did we just tie again? Chris, you got to let me know if we did, because we, we very well might have. I'm doing some quick math in my head. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to remember. I didn't, I'm writing them down. I, what was your order, Gruskin? Mine, I'm USC, UCF, Wake, which I, that's not great. <laughs> that's that's not uh, great. one, two, three, one. Two, I think they yeah, all we have. Got, yeah, we, they all have us first, a second, okay. and a third. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, just tie for 10th. That's fine. Yeah. They're, they're All three of them are tied. We'll let Westoff make the decision. Actually, that's the truth. Whoever you see number 10 in our poll is who super producer Daniel Westoff. Let's make wagers real quick because he's not going to listen this deep into the podcast. Who do you think he picks? USC. Yeah, I, mean, I think so. He's going with the name. 
Right. I'm going to go with Wake Forest because I just talked to him about Poopgate for Eduardo Nava, which is what I'm going to call it <laughs> affectionately. And so it's going to be fresh on his mind. And I think he's going to end up saying Wake Forest. But you're right. It's going to be – it's not going to be UCF. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. sorry to the Knights who deserve to be there. Anyways, with that in mind, Chris, hopefully I bought you enough time to run the numbers. I can tell you right now, first – uh, Baylor, second Virginia, third probably Tennessee, fourth yep. probably Florida, fifth yep. probably North Carolina, sixth yep. is going to be Texas, seventh yep. is going to be Illinois, eighth yep. is going to be Ohio State, nine is going to be TCU. Te- wow. This is good. For the record, though, that means things have finally sort of stabled out here in the college tennis season. We know our nine, right? After that TCU cutoff, those nine, and I would honestly, I would say you could throw USC, UCF, Wake Forest, Michigan, Texas A&M in those conversations. Those 14, those have been like pretty definitively, those are probably going to be the schools who get seated. Those are the schools who are going to make some serious noise come NCAA. And again, what a fantastic regular season. Fitting! That we go two hours here in the regular season finale just, again, uh, speaks to how exciting the results have been, how exciting the year has been. But, of course, if you have missed anything from the past year in college tennis, you can catch up on it all on our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need those more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at CrackedRackets. You want to message me directly. I am at GreatShotPod. A shout-out, as always, to super producers Max Flieger and Daniel Westoff, who have a of an editing job to do and may legitimately ask me to divide this podcast into two parts to spread the love for all of you listeners. Another shout out, by the way, to our friends at Turn of Tennis. Contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. With that in mind, I know that is a long uh, podcast. I know we've had a lot of thoughts out there. Maddie, Chris, I want to give you guys the final words. We'll go to you first, Maddie. Sick em bears. <laughs> I love it, Chris. Uh, final word because I'm sure people, if they're even listening after two hours, we should have led. We should have led with this. They're going. When the hell does all this stuff happen? So teams mm-hmm. next Monday, I think women's six p.m., men's six thirty, singles and doubles come out the next day, which is Tuesday by six p.m. They usually leak out a little earlier, but Monday Monday night for the teams and the bracket announcement. Tuesday for singles and doubles. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and again, so that is, and I got that question, so I'm going to keep that factor in mind. Say that one more time for me, Chris. So Monday the 3rd, 6 o'clock women, 6.30 men are the selection shows. And then Tuesday, May 4th, sometime before 6 p.m. for singles and doubles announcement. And so that'll just sort of leak out uh in a you know a post or something uh the question is who's gonna get that info first you me or parsa that's the real race folks that's what we're all looking for (laughs) that's what something to watch down the home stretch and i'm saying this on the podcast now and we'll tweet it out later we're gonna do a mailbag on our next show so if you have any questions to wrap up the regular season things you'd like us to touch heading into the postseason tweet us those questions send them in you know at cracked rackets at college tennis ranks at matt underscore stack whatever it may be but again what a phenomenal regular season thank you so much to all of you out there who followed along with us who really did help us engage and grow this college tennis community which is my favorite community in all of the tennis world with that in mind 
for the wonderful co-host who gave me two hours tonight. I sincerely love you both, Matt Stachowiak, Chris Halliores, for our super producers, Fligner and Westoff, our friends at Turner Grip, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, hey great, great shot. shot. And we hope you enjoyed the mega podcast. We will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>